Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Good morning, everyone. Welcome. It is the 26th of April. We've just got about four more days left. Moving into May, it's uh, another gorgeous day out here. We don't have to worry about the snow. <laughs> it actually snowed in northern New Mexico a couple of days ago. And maybe, I don't know if you guys up in Canada are getting anything else, but I thought that was pretty interesting for late April. And the temperature here is a comfortable 72 degrees, and last night got down to about 67. We had the windows open and the fan blowing. It was very nice. So hopefully you guys are um, awake, got your Bibles open. We are going to be starting the book of Judges this morning, looking into Judges chapter 1 and Mark chapter 11. So open up your Bibles and get that. And if you're a coffee drinker, make sure you got your coffee. And we will start. Let's look over into this day in trivia. We have today was the Chernobyl disaster in 1986. April 26th, 1986, the accident was the worst in the history of nuclear energy. 30 people were killed, spewed radioactive material all over the Soviet Union and Europe. Now, I'm aware of this, and this is very close to my heart in one sense, because I was on the MV Dulos serving as a missionary over in Europe, and I believe at the time... We may have been up in the in the Baltic. It seems I'm trying. I'm foggy on where we were, but um, we were maybe up around Sweden or somewhere. And um, uh, when this thing happened, and so our and I worked on the bridge steering the ship, and so I was around the captain and the first officer a lot, and they were watching that cloud, that radioactive cloud, like you would not believe. They they were getting almost hourly reports coming in and they were saying we've got to make a decision whether or not we're going to they were worried because at one point they thought it was drifting over towards our way and uh, they wanted to make sure that they we were not going to be in the path of that thing they had the responsibility of the whole crew so we watched it for uh, quite a while I, I wasn't in on the decision making I was just kind of the guy steering the ship and so I was just listening to them I found it interesting they shared a little bit with the crew but not not as much as uh, I knew that they didn't want to panic anybody. So anyway, that was my experience with the Chernobyl uh, disaster. Being close to it, in a sense, and uh, watching that cloud. It says, let me see, immediately after the accident, another 28 died during the next few months. 106 workers suffered acute radiation sickness. Very sad, and even today, they're, they're having issues with it. You know, they covered it over with concrete, but now they think it, it actually continued to to <laughs> kind of melt the earth, go down into the soil, and they think that it's gone in, into contaminated underground water, all kinds of horrible things. The polio vaccine, April 26, 1954, it begins its first successful uh, distribution. Begin The vaccine actually begins. It, it was... Uh, it was invented by this phenomenal man who decided not to try and get rich off of it. He just wanted to give it to the world. Jonas Salk, thank God for him. 
It's not like today with the big pharmacy corporations. He wanted this for the good of the people. So there was that. And, of course, um, Lincoln's assassin is killed on this day, 1865. Uh, John Wilkes Booth, is he was trapped in a barn. He refused to come out, so soldiers set it on fire. He was shot while still in the barn. So there you go. All right. Oh, dad jokes. We cannot forget the dad jokes. This is a good one. Why do plants hate math? Because it gives them square roots. <laughs> that would be a problem. How about this one? I saw a 1,000-year-old oil sting. It was from ancient Greece. Yeah, that's a good one. Ancient Greece. I had to think about that for half a second. I don't know why. Just, But yeah, I got it. All right, that's enough silliness. Let's move over into the word this morning. God, thank you for bringing us together. Thank you for our time, for the joy of our salvation, for all that you're doing in our life. Just, Father, fill us with uh, not only knowledge, but fill us with your joy and our, our own hearts. God, let them be drawn to you. As we go through this day, may, we, may our minds be set upon you. Even though there's much to do, in the academic, much to do in the work, in the mundane. God, we can keep that sense that you're right there with us. So thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Starting the new book, the book of Judges, chapter 1. Get one more drink and we're ready to start. Jerusalem is captured is the title. Now it came about after the death of Joshua that the sons of Israel inquired of the Lord, saying, Who shall go up first for us against the Canaanites? to fight against them. And the Lord said, Judah shall go up. Behold, I have given the land into his hand. Then Judah said to Simeon, his brother, come up with me into the territory allotted me, that we may fight against the Canaanites. And I, in turn, will go with you into the territory allotted you. So Simeon went with him. Judah went up, and the Lord gave the Canaanites and the Pizzerites into their hand, and they defeated 10,000 men at Bezek. They found Adonai Bezek in Bezek and fought against him. And they defeated the Canaanites and the Pizzerites. But Adonai Bezek fled, and they pursued him and caught him and cut off his thumbs and big toes. Adonai Bezek said, Seventy kings with their thumbs and their big toes cut off, used to gather up scraps under my table, as I have done. So God has repaid me. So they brought him to Jerusalem, and he died there. Then the sons of Judah fought against Jerusalem and captured it and struck it with the edge of the sword and set the city on fire. Afterwards, the sons of Judah went down to fight against the Canaanites living in the hill country and in the Negev and in the lowlands. So Judah went against the Canaanites who lived in Hebron. Now the name of Hebron formerly was Kiriath Arba. And they struck Shishai and Hyman and Talmal, and then from there, he went against the inhabitants of Debir. Now the name of Debir formerly was Kiriath Sefer. And Caleb said, the one who attacks Kiriath Sefer and captures it, I will give him my daughter Aksa for a wife. Ontniel, the son of Kenez, Caleb's younger brother, captured it and he gave him his daughter Aksa as a wife. Then it came about when she came to him that she persuaded him to ask her father for a field. And she alighted 
from her donkey, and Caleb said to her, What do you want? And she said, Give me a blessing, since you have given me the land of the Negev, since uh, give me also the springs of water. So Caleb gave her the upper springs and the lower springs. The descendants of the Kenite, Moses' father-in-law, went up from the city of the Palms with the sons of Judah to the wilderness of Judah, which is in the south of the Arad. And they went and lived with the people. And Judah went with Simeon, his brother, and they struck the Canaanites living in Zephath and utterly destroyed it. So the name of the city was called Hormah, and Judah took Gaza with its territory, and Ashkelon with its territory, and Ekron with its territory. Now the Lord was with Judah, and they took possession of the hill country, but they could not drive out the inhabitants of the valley because they had iron chariots. Then they gave Hebron to Caleb, as Moses had promised, and he drove out from there the three sons of Anak. But the sons of Benjamin did not drive out the Jebusites who lived in Jerusalem. So the Jebusites have lived with the sons of Benjamin in Jerusalem to this day. Likewise, the house of Joseph went up against Bethel, and the Lord was with him. The house of Joseph spied out Bethel. Now the name of the city was formerly Luz. The spies saw the men coming out of the city, and they said to him, Please show us the entrance to the city, and we will treat you kindly. So he showed them the entrance to the city, and they struck the city with the edge of the sword, but they let the man and all his family go free. The man went into the land with the, with the Hittites and built a city and named it Luz, which is its name to this day. Verse 27, Then Manasseh did not take possession of Beshan and its villages, or Tanakh and its villages, or the inhabitants of Dor and its villages, or the inhabitants of Iblim and its villages, or the inhabitants of Megiddo and its villages. So the Canaanites persisted in living in that land. And it came about when Israel became strong that they put the Canaanites to forced labor, but they did not drive them out completely. Ephraim did not drive out the Canaanites who were living in Gezer. So the Canaanites lived in Gezer among them. Zebulun did not drive out the inhabitants of, of Kitron, the inhabitants of Nash, Nashalal. So the Canaanites lived among them and became subject to forced labor. Asher did not drive out the inhabitants of Aku, Ako, or the inhabitants of Sidon, or Alab, or Aksib, or Helba, or Afik, or Rehob. So the Asherites lived among the Canaanites in the inhabitants of the land, for they did not drive them out. Naphtali did not drive out the inhabitants of Beth Shemesh or the inhabitants of Beth Anath, but lived among the Canaanites, the inhabitants of the land, and the inhabitants of Beth Shemesh and Beth Anath became forced labor for them. Then the Amorites forced the sons of Dan into the hill country, for they did not allow them to come down to the valley. Yet the Amorites persisted in living in Mount Harris. In Agilon and Sha'albim. But the power of the house of Joseph grew strong, and they became forced labor. The border of the Amorites ran from the ascent of Akrabim, from Sela, and upward. Well, there you go. The beginning of the life of Israel without Joshua. Not a great start. Not a great start at all. Two of the tribes go up and possess what they were supposed to possess, but most of the rest did not. They did not drive out the inhabitants of the land of which they were commanded to do. Why did they not do it? That's the big question. 
We're not given the answer, but we can guess. We can kind of make some assumptions. They had received their inheritance. They received the houses, the vineyards, the fields, the cities. Everything is all given to them. And they don't have to work for it. They're there. And they're now in the cities and not being attacked by these other people groups. So they're thinking, hey, why not just sit back and relax? We've got, we've finally made it. We're right where we want to be. We're, ha- we're content. We're right where we are content because we have, we have all this blessing, this food around us, and uh, hey, I'm just going to kick back and enjoy life. And remember, this is my own personal theory, and feel free to um, debate me on this, but they're all moving farther and farther away from the tabernacle where the presence of God was, where they could see physical manifestations uh, over the tabernacle. They understood that God's manifest presence was there. They had the priesthood there. They would take their animals there to sacrifice unto the Lord. It was where they went and had their encounters, their intimate encounters with God. Um, They could still do that in their own towns and countries, in their own cities, but it became less and less of a reality because of the distance. And they no longer have Joshua. And Joshua, we know, models for us a type of Jesus Christ guiding them. They're left on their own. They are supposed to be now walking by the word of God that was left to them, the instructions of God. And so they have a lot of responsibility on their own to maintain these things. But they don't have the extra added benefit of the tabernacle being right there, being united as a whole nation, and Joshua is their guide. So as they move farther away from fellowship, the strength of the fellowship, farther away from the presence of God, farther away from the day-to-day presence of Jesus, Joshua, in their life, they become less obedient. See where I'm going with this? When, when, as believers, we tend to do that. You move physically farther away from a place where you were intimate with the Lord. You had a good church. You had a good fellowship, whatever it was, a phenomenal Bible study. You get another job somewhere, but you go for the money, and you go, wow, this is going to be great for me and my family. You go there, and there's not a good church. Maybe it's not your fault. And you get really busy because of the job, and you spend more and more time away from the presence of God, whether that be you know physical, church, Bible study, spiritual, I don't know. But when that happens, you become less and less obedient to the things God tells you that you're supposed to do. And what does he tell us we're supposed to do? Crucify the flesh. We have a mandate like the Israelites to go in and clean out Canaan. We're supposed to go in and into our computers and our bedrooms and clean out the Canaanites and get rid of the things that are of the flesh. And when you have a bunch of believers around you, uh, it's much easier. When you have a strong fellowship and people you're accountable to, it's much easier. When you get separated, when you get far away, it's much easier to, well, you know, I'm okay. And we start disobeying and we don't do the things that God tells us to do. And this is what's happening to them. And it's going to be a, a continual problem for them from then on. Today, 
you could say the Canaanites are still living among the, the Israelites in Jerusalem because of their disobedience way back, way back when. Mark 11 now, the triumphal entry. We've read this a couple times, but we're going to go through it because all four Gospels cover it. As they approached Jerusalem at Bethpage and Bethany near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, on which no one yet has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? You say, The Lord has need of it. And immediately he will send it back here. They went away and found a colt tied at a door outside in the street and then tied it. Some of the bystanders were saying to them, what are you doing in tying the colt? They spoke to them just as Jesus had told them and they gave them permission. They brought the colt to Jesus and put their coats on it and he sat on it. And many spread their coats on the road and others spread leafy branches which they had cut from the fields. Those who went in front and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Jesus entered Jerusalem and came into the temple. And after looking around at everything, he left for Bethany with the twelve since it was already late. On the next day, when they left for Bethany, he became hungry. Seeing at a distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see if perhaps he would find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples were listening. Then they came to Jerusalem. And he entered the temple and began to drive out those who were buying and selling in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who were selling doves. He would not permit anyone to carry merchandise through the temple. And he began to teach and say to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations? But you have made it a robber's den. The chief priests and the scribes heard this, and they began seeking how to destroy him, for they were afraid of him, for the whole crowd was astonished at his teaching. When evening came, they would go out of the city. As they were passing by in the morning, they saw a fig tree withered from the roots up. Being reminded, Peter said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered. And Jesus answered, saying to them, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says is going to happen. It will be granted him. Therefore, I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them, and they will be granted you. Whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father who is in heaven will also forgive you for your transgressions. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father who is in heaven forgive your transgressions. Verse 27. They came again to Jerusalem, and as he was walking into the temple, the chief priests and the scribes and the elders came to him and began saying to him, 
By what authority are you doing these things? Or who gave you this authority to do these things? And Jesus said to them, I will ask you one question, and you answer me. Then I will tell you by what authority I do these things. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from men? Answer me. They began reasoning among themselves, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say, Why then did you not believe him? But shall we say from men? They were afraid of the people, for everyone considered John to have been a real prophet. Answering Jesus, they said, We do not know. And Jesus answered them, Nor will I tell you by what authority I do these things. It's fun to... to Listen to the perfect um, wisdom, knowledge, understanding of Jesus when he speaks. You realize that everything he says is is complete truth, and it's um, and it's always completely the right response to say to all these things. And it puts these people in their place that think that they can trap him. They think they, they can try and put him in a corner. And uh, anyway, it's, it's, it's quite phenomenal. It's like watching the movie where you're always rooting for the guy that the, the one person, the whole, the whole system and the whole government is coming against and he stands up against them and humbles them with his wisdom and his logic and his knowledge. And, and this is what he does. We see that he is against the entire system, the whole Roman world, the whole Jewish world, all of those in power, he represents the one that comes in the name of the Lord to set us free. The weak, the lame, the blind, those that are at disadvantage, the weak in so many areas. So that's why we love reading the stories because it's, it's finally seeing justice being brought about against the evils of the world and at the same time seeing how we can be set free from the bondage that we're in. So here's Jesus going there at the triumphal entry. We've covered it many times. And we've seen how he goes in and he goes in to be proclaimed. Well, he is proclaimed as king, but not the right way. And he's going in to be the suffering king, the serving, suffering king that's going to the cross. And they're missing it all. So he has to explain it to them. And he cleans house. He makes the, the temple holy and cleanses it. And prepares it for the perfect sacrifice, which will be himself in his blood for our benefit. Charles Spurgeon, gracious dealing. And the Lord thy God shall bless thee in all thou doest, Deuteronomy 15.18. The Israelitish master was to give his bondservant liberty in due time. And when he left his service... He was to start him in life with a liberal portion. This was done heartily and cheerfully. And then the Lord promised to bless the gracious act. The spirit of this precept, and indeed the whole law of Christ, binds us to treat people well. We ought to remember how the Lord has dealt with us. And that this renders it absolutely needful that we should deal graciously with others. It becomes those to be gracious, who are the children of a gracious God. How can we expect our great master to bless us in our business if we oppress those who serve us? What a benediction is here set before the liberal mind. 
To be blessed in all that we do is to be blessed indeed. The Lord will send us this partly in prosperity, partly in content of mind, and partly in a sense of his favor, which is the best of all blessings. He can make us feel that we are under his special care and are surrounded by his particular love. This makes this earthly life a joyous prelude to the life to come. God's blessing is more than a fortune. It maketh rich and addeth no sorrow therewith. Wow, that's true. Give liberally. Love those that are around you. And be willing to live with an open hand and let God pour through you blessings upon those around you. Father God, thank you for this morning. And thank you for blessing us with all that we do have. Thank you that as we read through this, we see the benefits of a life of faith walking with you. We see the, the dangers, God, of moving far away from you in our hearts, sometimes physically, um, and, and how we can get tripped up so easily when we get focused on the earthly inheritance and we stop looking towards and longing for our heavenly inheritance. So, God, keep our minds set upon you. And thank you for this day. We thank you for the, the, the things you are doing around the world and the, the encouraging things we do, we do see. We thank you for Tony and Bernice being in Poland and, and being blessed to be able to help people come out of the Ukraine and help them get established. We thank you for the Ukrainians that are now able to come into the United States without having a lot of issues legally and being received. And uh, the, the way that people that need to be s escape the war and the horrors of war are being able to, to get out. But we thank you, God, there's brave people there in there helping them and working. The, the pastors and the ministries that are staying behind within the Ukraine, God, fortified them, build them up. Thank you for their, for their hearts of dedication. Father, special prayer for the, for the Russian soldiers that really don't want to be there, that are only serving because they're made to. God, we ask that you would help this, them find a way home and find a way to, to lay down their arms, that this bloody war would stop, that you would save lives, Father, that this re senseless, ridiculous war, you would stop this madman in Russia, and you would, um, God, then give liberty to the country that's under oppression. You would stop them from attacking the next country, God, which they seem to have their sights on. But we realize, Father, this is all a prelude what's coming in the Ezekiel War. So, Father, prepare us because this, uh, this, could, this could stop for 20 years, but, Father, this could also continue. We don't know. So just prepare us to be ready for whatever's coming upon the world in the West that we might be, again, have our minds set upon our inheritance in heaven and not so focused on the earth and, not, and, and, and keep our minds at the point where we are being useful for the kingdom. So thank you for what you're doing across the world. Thank you for Israel's protection so far and what they're going through now in the month of Ramadan where they're getting a lot of attacks. Thank you. They're, they're trying their best to, to keep the peace. And we ask you continue to help them. Well, not help them, that you would do it. <laughs> Let them help you keep the peace, God. So thank you for what you're doing there. And Father, we want to pray for Juan Carlos Mexico City who needs an operation who needs something that is very urgent. So we want to lift him up that you would um, help his wife get the answers from the doctors and get that whole thing set up. 
And that you would heal them supernaturally, for sure, God. That would be phenomenal. And also for, um, for our brother Francisco, who, um, who needs an extra special touch, Father, so that he can gain his strength to be able to get out of bed. So, Father, we uh, realize that there's setbacks sometimes in these operations, and, and he needs something, Father. We don't know what it is, but we just c- cry out to you and ask that you would make his family aware, make the doctors aware, and uh, bring about the healing that he needs in his body. And, uh, Father, for the others that are dealing with so much in their treatments or what they're going through, we thank you that for their for their patience as you heal their bodies. God, continue to, to work in and through the medicine, the doctors, and supernaturally in the healing. So bless them, Father. And we ask you to bless this whole outreach with uh, the whosoever's that's coming up next month. That would be a phenomenal outreach that people, many people get saved. And, Father, for our own church that we pray through the, the evangelism outreach on Thursday nights through the church services and the radio ministry, the um, here, Manna for Breakfast, and the, that what we put out on the Internet, that that would be a ministry that would draw people to you in these end times father we know that there is there's going to be one last great harvest so we pray god you would use these mediums to touch people's lives draw them close to you and that we as a fellowship here would be drawn together and be be a strong family a strong safe harbor for people to come and feel your love and gain your your forgiveness, your acceptance, and and become part of the body of Christ. So thank you for what you're doing through our little church here, and thank you for blessing us so abundantly and so greatly in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, everybody, that will do it. Appreciate you guys being here with us every day. Again, if you can um, try and use the calvarypv.com live stream button right on the homepage, give it a try. We want to see if we can grow that so that we can all be uh, family online and talking one with another. Now, if you use a Roku or something, you're like YouTube, keep keep that up. Uh, YouTube might let us back on the next couple of days, but we can see how fickle that is. We could be kicked off YouTube anytime. But this is our other avenue, a safe avenue. We don't get kicked off this one, so <laughs> take advantage of it. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Bye-bye. <laughs>